0: Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write also happens to be what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with the best-selling and award-winning authors of Across the genres, all across the genres. Uh, issues up now, current issue. We're going to have a new issue up uh, October 1st, and it's going to include my conversation with the one and only R.L. Stein, he of the Goosebumps books. Fascinating guy. Looking forward to that. So you can check it out at AuthorMagazine.org. And, well, we're funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association. We've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA at PNWA.org. Just got done with their conference. Yes, it did. Just this weekend. And it was wonderful. Ah, I taught a great class. Wonderful people. Met a lot of cool people. That's where I interviewed R.L. Stein. He came to give our keynote, and he gave a good one. Very funny guy. Very sweet guy. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Thank you all. If I saw. I know I met some of my listeners there. That was a lot of fun, and I want to thank everybody who came up and said hello. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I look forward to it every year. And if you want to be a part of the PNWA, if you want to not just for the conferences, but every month we have different meetings which you can attend in person if you want, of course, if you live in the Northwest, or you can attend it virtually. If you live in Timbuktu or Zimbabwe, it doesn't matter. You can do it over the internet. Yes, you can. And you just join the PNWA. It's very reasonable. And you can learn about that at PNWA.org. So PNWA.org, check it out. Uh, I will be, I will be, let's see, well, next week on Facebook. Now this is kind of an odd thing, but I'm, as you know, Writer fearless writing published by Writers Digest Books. I'm a part of that family, and so I will be uh, taking part in the Writers Digest Authors Exchange on Facebook. Every day I'll be doing something. I think I'll probably be doing some live Facebooky kind of thing. Be posting some videos. If you want to join the Authors Exchange, I think you can do it through me. So if you're friends with me on Facebook, ask me about it. I'll set you up. It's awesome. I will also be at the Write on the Sound. In lovely Edmonds, Washington, on the 7th of October, Sunday, October 7th, teaching fearless marketing. You're going to want to attend that if you're afraid of marketing, and many writers are. Yes, they are. And then, it's official, I just learned today, I will be teaching at the Pasadena, down in Pasadena, on the 26th of October, 26th and 27th, actually, at the Writer's Digest yearly novel writing conference there down in Pasadena, California. A lot of fun. Hope to see you there. Okay, enough about me. Oh, we're lucky to get this woman on today because she's blowing up. She is. It's Christina McMorris. Uh, her debut novel for which I interviewed her, by the way, uh, was letters from home. And that was released in 2011. But since then, she's published a bunch of other books. Uh, she wrote, uh, Bridget, uh, Bridge of Scarlet Leaves, the pieces we keep and the edge of lost, uh, in addition to her novellas in the anthology uh, anthologies, a winter wonderland and grand central, uh. Her novels have garnered more than two dozen prestigious awards and nominations, including the Impact Dublin Literary Award, RWA's Rita Award, good one, and a Goodreads Choice Award for Best Historical Fiction. But she's got a new book out, sold out on Monday, it been out two weeks, has gone through three printings, yes, and she is in the middle at this moment of a 50-spot or 50-city four oh i don't know she's gonna to go to 50 different places oh my god it's going crazy christina thank you for being on the show for squeezing us in
1: <laughs> no problem i love being on your show gosh we've done this since book one haven't we <laughs>
0: we've done i we've done like three or four of these yeah, yeah. i know yeah. pretty cool oh well,
1: so fun well i love
0: having you on i love having you thank on you. and and it was funny we were talking beforehand and uh and I said, now, where are you? And you said, I think I'm in Georgia. No, no, wait, I'm in Florida. So so you are like they've got you running around the country promoting this book. Yeah,
1: I, I am running around. Yes, I I'd wow. had an event this morning in Georgia and then drove to Florida. So now I'm on this beautiful place called Amelia Island. Uh, Ron on Fernandina Beach, Florida. Doesn't that sound beautiful? I'm in a bed and it breakfast, which is gorgeous. Great. Yeah. <laughs> sounds wow. good. I've got an event here tomorrow, and then I'm all over the place uh, tomorrow, changing states again, I think.
0: Wow. And so have you ever done one? This is the first of the, a tour on this scale you've ever done. Is, is that correct?
1: Definitely. Yeah. I, I've just done you know, smaller events around bookstores that were more local in the Pacific Northwest. And then, right. uh, of course, like in Arizona, going to the Tucson Festival of Books every time I have a new book out because it's an amazing festival. But I've never been to that you know, one. Is oh, it good? It's amazing. Oh, it's it's so worth doing. I think there's over a hundred thousand people that pass by Ooh. in two days, and wow. the, it's all a hundred percent volunteer run. It is the best wow. festival I have ever been to. Yeah. All so right, I gotta
0: go. All right, so so, yeah, so normally cool. you've done the look. You've done this is yes. just. But listeners, just so you know, this is the way it works. Unless you get some huge deal right out of the gate, you tend to do local tours these days. Yeah. Uh, that's the way it usually yeah. starts. But right. our friend Christina, this book, and I don't want to get into this, but it's kind of an interesting thing. This was also the first book you, you where you had a little bit of a bidding. I don't know if it was a war, maybe it was a skirmish, but there was a bidding was going on for this particular book, yeah?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 There were three different houses that were bidding on it. That was amazing. And it was, it was a great place to be in, you know, it's, it's definitely not where most people start with book one. It definitely wasn't where I started no. with book one. Right. And, and to get to that, that, that point where you actually get to really weigh them out and, and decide which is the house that best fits for this particular book and, and your career for the next level, you hope. Um, yeah. The, you know, the, the house that came in that I went with, was source books and, and they just were so enthusiastic and immediately gave me you know, a, a guaranteed spots of a featured title for the month and, and, and pages and pages of what they were going to do for marketing. And it, it was hard. They made it ah. very hard to turn down.
0: <laughs> Isn't it nice when someone else tells you what they're going to do for marketing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It takes a little while to get there usually. Usually it's, they're yeah. saying to you, what are you going to do to market this book so that we might publish it? But they know. They turned it around.
1: Uh, absolutely so absolutely or you ask them will you be willing to do this and a lot of times they said well we'll take that under consideration oh, <laughs> so God. It, is, it is very nice to know before the book is even finished you know being written it was really nice wow all
0: right so this is let's see, one two three four so this is book number five am i counting correctly
1: you are for novels. Yep. Seven. Yeah. Seven for books, novel. But Schiff novel. You got it. Fifth mm-hmm. novel.
0: Okay. Let's work. And so, yeah. you know, a career is interesting. Uh, you know, for sure. I'm sure you've built up your readers, but I suspect, cause this obviously is kind of a breakout book for you. And yeah. as Donald Moss would say. And so uh, mm-hmm. how much do you attribute to the fact that you've just slowly built your readership? And how much do you attribute to you getting better as a novelist, just learning how to, tell the kind of stories you like to tell.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's both. I'd like to think that it's both and that, you know, I've, I have more of a base now of readership which is nice to build on and and the books yeah. all before it have all done well in that they I've always had an, an increase of sales as as I went on with each with each book. And and then with this book, I think that I ended up really ha- it was the right story with at the right time with the right publisher. And who who really saw the vision of the book and what it could be. And that cover, you know, as you know, the cover is, is, is really, it's heart wrenching a cover on its own. And with a title, like sold on a Monday with a child. So people are listening. If they haven't seen it, it is um, a boy.
0: Mm -hmm. If they're listening, they should be able to see the image, which I, that cover is a part of this podcast. So hopefully they're seeing the image. And, uh, And and so let's actually let's talk about it a little bit, because that 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 image is the image the story is based on. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, well, that is it is a similar kind of picture ah, in that, okay. that, that the cover is really just, you know, a photographer has reached out to me since then and said it was her photo that we ended up okay. using. She lives in Israel and she took a photo of her son in the fields of her parents home and even used her father's old battered suitcase. I mean, it just made it that much more special
0: to know that that's where that
1: photo came from. But the original photo that inspired my story uh, is one that has been passed around a lot over the years. It was taken in 1948 and published in the Vedette Messenger of of Indiana. And Mm -hmm. it's a picture that once you've seen it, people don't unsee it. It is four (laughs) kids sitting on a stoop in Chicago, and a mother standing behind them, uh, face turned away from the camera, right. kind of shielding right. her face. And it, there's a sign next to them, as you know, that says, four children for sale, inquire within. Right. And right. it, I mi- immediately thought it was during the Great Depression is what it looks like. And a lot of people assume right. that. And it surprised me that it was from the 40s. Um, but as a mother myself, I thought I could understand perhaps giving away my children if it was for their betterment, you know, that they were going to have a better yeah. life without me. Yeah. what pushes a parent to say, I will now take money in return. And so that ended up kind of sparking the original idea for the story.
0: Right. And well, the fact that her back is turned to the the camera tells you a lot, uh, probably about how she actually felt about that, would be my guess. Would be my guess.
1: Yeah, well, for sure. And that's what I would think. And then it was only because I ended up – that that photo haunted me for months and months on end. Uh, I didn't feel like I wanted to tell such a sad story about these children who right, were right. sold, and then try to find each other. Number one, it just seemed too depressing to me as a mother. And secondly, you know, I always try to write what I would want to read, of course, and right. and it just didn't seem like something I would want to pick up. And yet, um, yet it it stuck with me. And so right. what I ended up doing was uh, I also didn't want to write Orphan Train 2. Uh, Christina Baker Klein is a good friend of mine, and she'd already done such an amazing job. that I wanted to bring something new to the table if I'm going to tell that story. And right. so what happened was I started researching about the kids in the photo, and there was a follow-up article in the Northwest Indiana Times. It reran in the New York Post just about five or six years ago. And it's about these kids who are now adults. Some of them have passed away and how they were reuniting after all this time of oh. uh, being separated. And there was one line in the article that said some family members claim the photo was staged. Now, when oh. I look back at the photo, there is a, the sign in it is so perfectly painted with reflective accent marks and all. And I thought, okay, that is kind of an interesting perspective oh. on it. Oh. Now that doesn't change the fact that a year after it was published, that these children, that the the a woman in the the girl in the photo who I have since become friends with named Rayanne, wow, she was sold for two dollars by her mother for wow. bingo money. Really?
0: And oh her brother, God! Oh no! <laughs> Jesus! I take God. all this okay. in. All
1: her right. Her brother went with her for free because he didn't want to be separated from his sister. Right. And the farmer and his wife bought them for farm labor and would even keep them tied up in the barn at night so they wouldn't run away. And it really is that horrible of a story. Okay. Um, They're slaves essentially. Pretty much. And the other kids were all adopted out or given away or taken away perhaps by the state. It's very unclear, but she was pregnant in the photos. There were five kids total and they were all given away at one point. And she then had a boyfriend who didn't want her kids. And they got married and had their own family together. So, It really is this incredible, heart-wrenching story. For me, what I brought new to the table was I thought I would tell it from a reporter's standpoint. So Mm. there is a reporter who sees two kids on a farmhouse porch in rural Pennsylvania, takes a photo of them. Right when he snaps the picture, he realizes there's a sign that says, Two Children for Sale. He doesn't mean it for publication, but it does lead to his big break during the Great Depression, which he's not going to let go of, of course. Right. But because of some then questionable decisions he makes involving the photo, uh, it leads to definitely his big break. And he goes on to the New York Herald Tribune, and his life is looking good, but there are devastating consequences for everybody involved in the photo. Right.
0: Right. Oh, well handled. Well handled, because <laughs> you I mean you write stuff that is – Yes, I, my my i would say uplifting ultimately I mean, you write love stories mm-hmm. um right. you know there's always you write historical novels and there's always trauma, of course, often war oh, yeah. is involved um right. and separation, so you put you've got to put your characters through the through the grinder because that's what we do, yeah. but right. you always my experience of your books is you're always seeking that message of hope in the yeah. sort of chaos of history that affairs. fair assessment? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of what pushes my book. So although they're the hardest times for a lot of people in our country's yeah. history, you know, the Great Depression, World War II, I always try to, even if they go through hard times, I like to show that there's hope at the other end and that people have grown and become better people, hopefully by the end of the book. So that I'd like to think that in, in real life you could read that and think, even if I'm going through a really hard time right now, that there is hope on the other side. I will get through this. Yeah. I will get through some of the hardest times in my life, and there's something waiting for me on the other end. And same thing with this, with the kids. There was part of me as a mom that wanted to write a, you know, a more hopeful ending, a, a better, right. perhaps a better reason why these children were given up in the first place than in real life.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing. I, one of the things I, I teach and I work with people who write memoirs, and if you work with people who are writing memoirs, they usually come with some. Pretty grisly stories, uh, right. especially childhood. You know, just a, a childhood you would not want, you would not wish for anybody. And yet, if they survive it with their yeah. sort of marbles intact, it becomes the sort of crucible that teaches them about life. It teaches them mm-hmm. about strength. that teaches them about intimacy. That te- even though it at the time it was brutal, and so I, I've, I have to admit, I've come to have a different view of. What we call suffering, because I've seen mm-hmm. how it can, in a way, become the source of people's greatest strength, people's greatest yeah. uh, wisdom uh, that they end up sharing. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely, and I totally agree with that. As much as it's not fun to go through so many times, and no. we can all look back in our no. lives and look at the the hardest times that we went through with family, or you know, yeah. marriage, or anything else, and and if you can come through it on the other end, I, I like to think that most of the time, the majority of the time, you look back and think, "Wow, I I grew as a person." That you know, there's so much good that came out in the long run, even though it wasn't the growing pains. It wasn't fun to go through. And no. I think somebody once told me, you know, that that it if your life was just easy and career was just easy, you wouldn't learn anything. It would just no. you know you would just coast instead of growing as a person or as a writer or anything else.
0: I have a theory. This is my new theory, and I keep bringing it up, okay. and I brought it up with my latest interview, Deb Coletti, and I'm going to talk to everybody about it maybe now, which is that I think we come in with a big question. Sometimes life asks it of us. I think for me, I was sort of just born with it. Maybe we're born with it, and we spend our life kind of trying to understand that question, like what is strength? What is peace? What is intimacy? What is safety? What is loss? And, it, and for novelists, you kind of keep addressing that question again and, again and again. I mean, I know from like those clients I was talking about, they have these traumatic experience, but then they're given these incredible questions like, what is love? What is trust? Like, and they have screwy answers at first, but then they try to answer it, you know, later on. And so do you think that there's some sort of question that comes up again and again in your work? I mean, I know you write about history. But do you find one sort of theme that comes that keeps percolating through them all? Is it love in times of trouble? What would you say? What would you think that question might be if it exists for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean I think that as you said, my first couple of novels were, were primarily love stories, even though yeah. there was you know, so much kind of like, with with, with yeah. World War and POWs and camps and yeah you know, in, in Japanese-American internment camps. And, um, right. you know, I tend to separate my couples <laughs> more than keep yeah. them together. <laughs> right. um, you know, right. They don't always have that happily ever after ending, of course, because I don't think that's right. realistic with a World War II uh, no. in most cases and in many cases. And um, But like I said, you know, hopefully they've grown as a person and, and their relationship changes by the end of the of the book. But I, I, in some ways I like to think of uh, the, oh, so many other relationships I write in the stories, and a lot of times it's about family because that yeah. just influences so much of what we do and who we are and what we become and how yeah. we act and, you know, the ambition your that we're was
0: a, by. Your family had a huge influence. I mean, everybody's, it's a little different for everybody, but I know that, like, your father's story and sort of was a big sort of – it was a big, um, I guess, story within the family, the fact that he, you know, he came over with nothing kind of, and he yeah. – I mean, he was just – he was really just almost on the street for a little while, wasn't he initially? He was. He lived in a car. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But he built this empire kind of, well not empire, but a big, a very successful business. Yeah. So that must've impacted you having that narrative. Yeah,
1: Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. He built, he started in his car. He came over as complete American dreamer and immediately started working and, and, um, and became a citizen and, and he is very, very proud American, and which is why yeah. growing up, you know, he didn't even want us to speak Japanese, didn't want to teach right. us that until later in life because he was so proud of us being American. And what it meant he a lot taught to him. me, it did. And there's some, I think a lot of immigrants do that, you know, that are, that have that it, almost in a way we're not, they're not jaded. I think in that they, they come from some places, you know, countries that are just so uh, hard. Right. To live in and to find a living, that I think they come over with almost a blissful ignorance in a way that they believe that in this country you can do anything if you right. are determined enough and don't give up. And because of that, we just giving up is just kind of not an option in our family. Um, we just believe almost blissfully ignorant, like I said, that we can do it if we just work hard enough and don't give up. And and you know, as you know, you know I, I wrote a book, my first novel, Letters from Home. Yeah. And um, with barely being a reader before I started my first horrible <laughs> draft was of unusual. that book,
0: yeah, that was yeah. rare. But you did it. Uh, yeah, but you did it.
1: I, I did, and it was not a draft I would want anyone to read at this point, of course. <laughs> but, but right. it's, as you know, so much catching up with reading and reading and reading and writing and craft,
0: yeah. you know,
1: uh, learning since then, but. But I think part of that, you know, ignorance comes from, in a good way, of that. My, you know, I just thought, you know, I can do this. I think I have a really good story idea. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'll figure it out. And then, right. you know, every time I got a rejection letter from an agent, and believe me, there's a lot of them. Um, yeah. I keep a very proud folder I have in my office of every one of them, the four wow. rejections Still. that start. Oh, yeah. My kids know that I'm very proud of that folder.
0: Wow. Um, okay. It
1: teaches them that that that's where you start. And I would get Dear Author. You know, it was probably the first uh, 20 to uh, 30 rejections. Yeah. And then yeah. it became Dear Miss McMorris before huh. they reject me. So you knew I was making right. progress. Right. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, I didn't, I chose instead of being defeated because, as you know, it can be so, as any writer knows that's uh, aspiring to be published, it can be so defeating. Yeah. And what I would do, and I tell this to other aspiring writers, especially high school students and whatnot, is that when every time I got a rejection letter, I would send out two more queries and in the meantime I would keep working on my craft and improve the book. And so I didn't just sit there and hope that this one version was going to do it. But instead, every time I got a no, I'd be bummed for five minutes and I immediately sent out two more queries. And when I did that, I wasn't bummed anymore because I had two more pieces of hope that were out there and all I needed was one. Yes. So Uh, that was my theory. You
0: are (laughs) resilient. You're, You're Father's daughter.
1: I I don't know. Maybe your your mother's daughter too,
0: but for sure, sadly. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, I. You know, I think about one of the things I think about when I think about. I'm not an immigrant, but I think that. uh, I think that it's hard to understand is that people come here, immigrate, and I'm sure they meet resistance from the country because that's the way Mm -hmm. the world works. Mm -hmm. But I've always Mm -hmm. suspected that the resistance they had at home to thriving was greater. That the resistance they made. They meet here as 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 uncomfortable and ugly as it can be still is probably worse than or not as bad as what they were living with that drove them out. Do you think that's a fair assessment?
1: Oh yeah, I think so many countries around the world it's, you know, that it's America even though it's not Easy, always to live in any country, but yeah. it's um, you know it's paradise for a lot of them in comparison to what they're going through, right. and and, right. and protecting their family, which is of course a lot like what you said is what a lot of what I write about is what yeah. you, what lengths you go to for the ones you love, so that and, and all different forms of love.
0: You know, so this is your fifth uh, historical novel, and I, I was thinking about you today, uh, knowing that we were going to be chatting, and I thought you know I've written like a thousand essays about the creative process or more Mm -hmm. at this point. And and, it's kind of what I do. I mean, I like it for sure. I couldn't do it, but it's also become sort of my thing, one of my things. Mm -hmm. And so that's part, I mean, that is part of the reason I do it. It's my platform and people expect it and so on. And every once in a while, I think, ah, oh, I just don't want to write another essay about writing. And then I find I can. And so I'm just wondering, like, for you, you've written five historical novels. Do you ever think, like, enough with the history? Like, or is it, is it you're just a practical and it doesn't matter? Or you just, like, what's your relationship to that?
1: Well, I absolutely love staying in historical fiction. I remember when I sold Letters from Home in a two-book contract – um, with, you know, with no idea what I was going to write next, because right. it really was like a labor of love and, a, a, you know, a love letter to the greatest generation and my grandparents. And so then you go, oh, yay, a two book deal. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what am I going to write about now? I think All I'm capped right. out. I'm the one hit wonder of the 80s, you know, and yeah. so I had to come up with, with something and I think I remember thinking oh my goodness I'm going to get out of historical fiction. It is so much research. It is so hard and so much work and there's so many people to tell out there to tell you you're wrong Um, and I thought you know what I'm going to make my life easier you know just a little easier make it contemporary and that was going to be my plan and I had an idea for a story and what happened was I had friends at the time at least five friends that in that I was a moron for not reading Water for Elephants, that said it okay. was one of the best books they'd read in a long time. They re- forced me to read it, essentially, one bought right. it for me. And it was a, a snow day, and I thought, you know, as you know from the story, I love that book. And, and yeah. when I first heard about it, you know, a 90 year old man in a nursing home telling his whole story in the circus and backstory, isn't this everything we're not supposed to do? It sounds right. so boring. It's right. like watching paint dry, and I thought they said no. It's a page turner. I said no. It can't be a page turner. It's just not. I haven't read a word, and I know it's not a page turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had a snow day, and I thought, all right, I will read this book, and I couldn't put it down. And it yeah. was really because of that book um, and Sarah that I, and who was amazing at full circle, she ended up blurbing um, my wow. last book of as a lot that they, you know, oh. <laughs> she did, and. Sweet. And he sent me the nicest, most amazing compliments about the book. Uh, and I thought, what a gift back and forth between us because I only wrote the book because of her. Because wow. I thought when I put her book down, I remember thinking I have to write historical because there is mm-hmm. no other type of book that allows me to completely forget what world I'm in and step into another right. world like historicals do. And so because of that, that's why I kept writing historicals. That's why I wrote The Edge of Loss, which she ended up quoting me on, so, or quoting wow. me. So it was in meat circle that it came about.
0: You could write science fiction. <laughs> you could write high fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> that would make you forget this world. No, it's right, different, isn't it? that's
1: true. That's true, yeah. And you I could. love watching you know, those. Uh, I, I like reading that, but I especially love watching those those TV shows and, and yeah, movies yeah. especially. I mean, they, they pull me into another world as well, but I think that yeah. historical just seems to fit. I think my voice and the way sure. that I like to write that old fashioned time. And I love the fashion and the music and you oh. know, the, the things that people went, the news, the newsboys, you know, the newsies on the, on the corners and all of those things that bring that thirties and forties to life are just so much fun.
0: Do you, um, when you're telling the story, do you first sort of immerse yourself in that time and place to sort of get a feel for like Do you read a lot of newspapers and listen to the music and see what the movies were? And I tried writing some historical fiction once upon a time and I did OK with it. But really, I just my interest was elsewhere and I couldn't bring myself to like
1: totally
0: just understand it on a granular level. And so I realized it wasn't for me. But do you do that first so you can feel like you're swimming in it a little bit so you really know it?
1: I probably should. I do that along the way. Um, you know, I on the do way, that while okay. I'm research. I do it while I'm researching as well. So that probably oh, helps okay. me set the, the tone, um, especially depending on what the topic is. Then I do immerse myself a bit as I'm researching before, as I'm writing the synopsis. But once I start writing my books, there is it just it's a movie in my head. So I am writing right. down the movie that I'm seeing in, in in my mind, and there is something about. Uh, that time period. That I always joke that I think I was born in the wrong era. You know, either that or reincarnation. <laughs> one of two, because wow. I was the kid in junior high that wore the saddle shoes to school. You know, like I, really? I had them in two or three different colors, and it was not like they were trendy. <laughs> so wow. I wore those in my penny loafers. You know, with dimes in them or something, and and I listened to 1950s music. I would be the one, the one in junior high and high school, calling the oldie station and asking for a kooky kooky oh, so linear comb. What? You are,
0: you were like geared for this, like there was some little was. part of you preparing you for this. What a, all right. Well, so you're in the right realm. That's good. All right. Well, Seriously, so, <laughs>
1: yeah, I am.
0: All right. So uh, we're almost, I I, I got to let you go, but, but so sold on a Monday's out. You can buy it everywhere. It's at Costco, right? Barnes and Noble. Yep. Every, okay. Target, and
1: Walmart. Yep. Target, got it. Oh, man. Indie, you stores,
0: in, indie stores. Indie stores. Yeah. When you get in those stores, that's the big time. So that's great. Okay. I'm really happy for you, Christine. I can say I knew you when. But so here's what, here's what I want to do. If, so here you are. You're on your big national tour. I don't know if we, can I say it? You're going to be on a morning show yes. here. We're not going to say which, but pretty soon it looks like that's going to happen too, right? Yes. And that's yes, you've got a
1: couple weeks. Yep. You used that's, to be on yes, television once first. upon a
0: time, you little precocious little thing. But that was when you were a child <laughs> star, right?
1: Yeah, once and then I did a the host. Host a show for, uh, I think in my, my mid-30s or so, early 30s for oh, Weddings Portland right. Style was a show for about five years for WB, for Warner Brothers. All right. So
0: it's all kind right. of so, been
1: in and out my life. All
0: right, but you're, you're returning to television as a successful author. Very exciting. Okay, so here's what I would like mm-hmm. you to do. So here you are, enjoying this. You're on the ride. What would you say to younger Christina McMorris, sitting there, just got another rejection letter. Yeah, she's about to send out two more. Her heart's heavy though. What would you say to her now that you know that she didn't know then?
1: You know, I think that uh, keep sending out those queries. <laughs> Don't just give keep up sending and them know out. That, keep send them out and just know that you're on the right track. I mean, I I can I have letters that I pulled out of my folder to show to high school students that tells me back then before I sold letters from home that basically my writing was great, send me another book that you have, because World War II just doesn't work in novels.
0: Right, right. <laughs> you right. Know, and that <laughs> World War II and
1: letters will never work. And, right. Um, and those, I think, are important. So if I were to go back, I would say, don't listen to them. You're doing the right thing because it's so easy to let doubt creep in and so much yeah. easier to try to write for the trend that you're never going to catch necessarily anyway by the time you no. finish a book. And then sell it, and a year later it comes out, that you could have just missed it. And is it your heart really in it? Is that really the story that you want to share with the world? So I would say, you know, just to write what's in your heart, to, to the uh, the labor of love, um, no matter what genre it is or era it is, and just keep going. And that's, you know, I'm glad that that's what I did, and I would say hang in there.
0: <laughs> wow. That's great. we got to have you up to the PNWA conference one of these years. You live down in Portland. We got to get you up to Seattle to be. You went to the conference once, didn't you?
1: I did years ago. Yes, and I loved it. I would love to be back. Yeah, we
0: got to get now. We got to get you back and get you on our big celebrity panel. Got to happen. (laughs) I'm gonna make it happen because I got. I can pull strings in that place. So I'm gonna get you you up there. You (laughs)
1: know people. I know
0: people. I'm a big mocker up there. Okay. (laughs) Listen, Christina, it's so fun to talk to you. Congratulations. I'm so happy for your success, and I'm sure there's a lot more where this came from.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for all your support over the years. It's amazing. And I love our oh, talks. They're always so much oh, fun.
0: I do too. Thank you so much, Christina.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Uh, bye-bye. Well, oh, it's nice. Isn't it nice when nice people do nice things and do well? Yes, it is. Well, next week I'll be back with uh, Elizabeth Fournier. She's going to be my second uh, uh person who buries people that i'm going to have on the show i had another what are they called morticians yes another mortician i don't know why but she's really interesting so i'm going to have her on the show and i want to uh thank rj jeffries couldn't make it today but he's my erstwhile indomitable producer uh as always thank you and thank you people for listening if you like it if you're on itunes tell people you like it you can rate it that way other people can find it too share what you love it's what we're meant to do that is so Do something you love and share it. I'll see you next week.
1: Step into the
0: world of power, loyalty, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it
1: ends up in your hands.